good morning, New Life. Happy that you're here. If you're here with us in the house, uh, want to welcome those who may be joining us via live stream as well. If we haven't met, as Terry said, my name is Chris. Good to be the lead pastor here. Glad that you're here. Before we jump into our message, just want to remind you of something. You may have noticed there's an envelope uh, either on your seat or seat close by that looks something like this. Starting uh, next week, we're going to be taking up our Send Missions Offering. We do that once a year. So we'll start next week. We'll take it up through the end of the year. Um, as I've said before, my promise to you is that we're not going to stand up here and nickel and dime you for all kinds of things, right? And so we just, if you're a part of our faith family, we ask you to give consistent, consistently and generously. And then one time a year, we go above and beyond and we take up our Send Missions offering. And 100% of those proceeds go to fund all of our mission work, our partnerships, our church planters, our missionaries, both in the States and abroad, all of our partnerships in the city right here in Asheville. And so let me just encourage encourage you. Um, if you're a guest, this is not for you, but if you're a part of our faith family, if you call this place your spiritual home, would you pray with me and just see what God might have you sacrifice so the cause of global missions could be expanded in 2024. So we'll start to take up that offering next week. We can t we're going to be taking it up again through the end of the year. Now, if you're, uh, if you're broke, you're like, hey, dude, I'm in college. I got three cents in my bank account right now. Uh, there, there's something right on the back of this. That's fine. Where you can give a pledge. Hey, so next year, 2024, I'm going to give 10 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or $100 a month or whatever it is. I think uh, all of us can do something and then together we can do something great. And so let me just encourage you to be praying about how, uh, how you're going to give to that offering next week. Now, if, you are, uh, if you're new here or maybe, maybe you're just kind of kicking the tires on Christianity, you're just kind of checking out this whole Jesus thing, you're not quite sure about it, maybe you're tuning in online or a friend or coworker uh, drug you here, I think you picked a great Sunday to be here because I think today is really going to give you a very clear snapshot, not only to, into who we are as a, a local faith community called New Life Community Church, but also what the entire Christian faith is really all about. Now, the last few weeks, our theme, as you can see on the screen, has been compelled by love from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, compelled by love to take the hope and freedom of the gospel into our neighborhoods, into our cities, and ultimately to the nations. Now, two weeks ago, we had our Love 828 Sunday. That was pretty rad, wasn't it? Man, we had four or 500 of you show up on that Sunday morning. We worshiped for a few minutes, and then we scattered all over the 828 to do good works in the name of Jesus and bring glory to our Father. We've gotten so many responses and thank you cards from people that we've partnered with. So grateful for the work that you did as the hands of, and feet of Jesus that day. And then last week, uh, we introduced you to a brand new church planting partnership in Washington, D.C. That's actually our second partnership in Washington, D.C. with our brother, uh, Welton Bonner. Uh, and our brother brought the house down last week. If you missed the message last week, let me encourage you to go back and, and grab that online. It was re really good. So you're gonna have opportunities over the course of the next months and years to take short-term mission trips to Washington, D.C. to work with our two church plants up there. But today, what I wanna do is really kind of broaden our view, right? So two weeks ago, we was Love 828. We went out into our cities. That's kind of like our Jerusalem focus. And then last week, you heard from one of our church planters in Washington, D.C. So that's kind of our Judea, Samaria, national focus. But what I wanted today is kind of broaden our view even more to talk to you today about the missionary heart of God for the nations. Now, how many of you know that our God is not just an American God, 
right? Like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think God is in heaven right now uh, uh, waving an American flag with a bald eagle tattooed on his back like Pastor Mike Watkins. I don't, I don't think that's the picture of, of, of God right now in heaven. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a patriotic dude. I love our country, right? I've lived all over the world. I know that what we have here is, is pretty unique and pretty special. Even the fact that we can worship in a large gathering like this with no fear of the, the government busting in here or some other group busting in here to kill us or take us off to jail. Like, that's, that's pretty spectacular. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm very grateful for our nation. But the reality is our God desires that all nations... All peoples, all tribes, all tongues would worship him and be set free in Jesus' name. See, our God is a missionary God, which, by the way, means that as his people, we are missionary people. Now, I am fully aware that this idea, what we're talking about this morning, this idea of worldwide missions and evangelism, all of that stokes a lot of hostility from many people in our culture today, right? And so there are many people, maybe even you, maybe you're sitting here and, and, or you're watching online and you're thinking, man, that's, that's my problem with you Christians. You can believe whatever you wanna believe, man, but you're always trying to convert everybody else. That's narrow-minded. That's arrogant imperialism. Just mind your own business and leave all these other cultures and religions alone. Now, here's the problem with that, and I want you to hear me say this. Every single person on planet Earth is on mission and an evangelist. E even the secular person who says to me, hey, Chris, you really shouldn't be sharing your spiritual beliefs. What are they doing in that moment? They're, they're trying to evangelize me into their relativistic worldview. We're all evangelists on mission. We're just selling different things. And for me, I'd rather sell hope in Jesus than anything else in the world. Now, let me just uh, illustrate, if I could, for a moment. Many of you know my, my beautiful wife. I think she's here somewhere in the 11 o'clock. Um, she, she grew up uh, in, in Africa as an MK, uh, like I was also an MK. So she grew up in Kenya, which is, if you've ever been there, it's, it's right on the equator. It feels like the third level of hell. I mean, it's just, it's, it's super hot, and the sun is always shining. Uh, and she was also a, a swimmer growing up all the way through college, which meant she was outside in that equatorial sun all of the time. And so that was just kind of her life. She was just constantly in the sun and being exposed to, to, to a lot of sunlight her entire life. And that was all fine and dandy until about 10 years ago. And she goes to the doctor and uh, he sees a spot on her collarbone. He's like, man, that doesn't look quite right. Let's take it off, send it to the lab. And we, we get a phone call the next week. And he says, I'm sorry, but you, ha you have skin cancer. And uh, we're gonna have to send you to a specialist and you're gonna have to go in and have this big surgery where they kind of like cut you open and you're gonna be awake. And, and then we're gonna have to take the tissue sample down to the, the lab and make sure that everything, your margins are clear. We're gonna come back and cut out more. It's like this whole big thing. And, and, and listen, we were, before that moment in time, we were like the, the people that were like sunbathing at the beach and tanning at the pool. And, and from that moment forward, we turned into like the biggest evangelists for sunscreen and hats and like long sleeve rash guards. We're like SPF used car salesmen now. Like we roll up in the minivan at the beach now and look like a bunch of mummies rolling out. And everybody's like, who are those freaks? Oh, it's just the Dillons. You know, she had skin cancer a few years ago, right? We, we take it very seriously now. And if we love you and we know you, we see you at the beach, we're gonna be like, hey bro, you want some sunscreen? Would you like a hat, right? Everything changed for us because of that experience. Now, now listen, I know many of you are 
cancer survivors or survivors of other illnesses, let me ask you a question. If someone that you love starts experiencing the same symptoms that you had, what are you going to do? Do you just kind of fold your arms and and sit back and go, oh, well, I I hope it works out for you, man. I don't want to be a truth imperialist. I don't want to seem narrow-minded. I don't want to seem arrogant in imposing my truth on you. No, if you know them and you love them, you're going to say, listen, you, you need to go get that checked out soon. Like, here's the name of my doctor. Here's their phone number. Here's their address. Let me tell you what they told me to start doing and stop doing so you can be healed of this condition. Same thing if you check out a, a new restaurant or a new coffee shop in Asheville and it just blows your mind. You love it. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep that to yourself? No, man. You're going you're gonna to tell your friends about it. I see a lot of you guys posting your fancy little pictures of your restaurant dishes and your fancy little coffees. Why do, why do we do that? Because you want other people to share in the good news that you have, right? You want to tell your friends about it. We Listen, we are all evangelists on mission. The only question is, what's your mission and what are you selling? And maybe that's a good question for each of us to ask right now in this moment. What's your mission and what are you selling? Because you are on mission and you are selling something. Now I think a big part of the reason that we all have this in us, whether you're a Buddhist, an atheist, a Muslim, a Christian, is that we are, we are hardwired in this way, right? Genesis tells us that we're all created in Imago Dei, the image of God, meaning that his likeness is embedded into our DNA. And as I said at the beginning, our God is a missionary God. So it should be no surprise that if he has embedded his very likeness into our nature and character as human beings, that we would also have this desire to to go, to share good news with other people. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 this morning, that's going to be our our jump-off point, first book in the Bible. And as you find your place there, let me pause and, and just pray for our time together. Father, we... We come to you, and our confession, I think, would be is that we, we need to hear a word from you. The, the, these folks don't need to hear a word from a man. They need to hear a word from the living God. And so we just ask that you supernaturally, in the way that only you can, you would empower uh, these ancient words as we open your word through the power of your spirit, that you would enliven these truths, that you would make them real to us in our hearts, in our minds, in a way that would begin to to move us and shape us into the men and women, boys and girls, that you would have us be. We ask that you would do all of that in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, Genesis 12 opens with a story of Abram, or Abraham as he later becomes known. Many of you are familiar with that story, but I think to understand what we see in Genesis chapter 12, we have to understand a little bit of context about the 11 preceding chapters. Many of you are familiar with the narrative. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God speaking creation into existence. The pinnacle of his creation is man and woman, right? Together reflecting beautifully God's image to the world around them. He gives them their first mandate or their first command does anybody remember what the first command to the first man and the first woman was multiply and fill the earth see from the very beginning God's heart is that the world would be filled with his worshipers Genesis 3 rolls around we see the fall of mankind and creation right Adam and Eve kick off a rebellion against God they choose their way over God's way 
The, by the very next chapter, in chapter four, we see the first murder. From there, things spiral more and more out of control. Mayhem, evil, darkness, bloodshed, war, injustice. Sounds a lot like our world today. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 12, humanity has turned their backs on God and the last flicker of hope seems like it's about to dim. But then, but then there's this incredible turning point in Genesis chapter 12. So let's read that together. This is gonna be on the screens for you if you don't have a Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now here's what you gotta know about Abram. Abram was from a city called Ur. That's about 180 miles southeast of modern day Baghdad. Now the, the people of Ur in those days were uh, pagans who were far from God. They were idol worshipers. They primarily worshiped the moon god. And Abram's family was so, so steeped in this tradition and this idolatry that his father's name was actually Terah in the Hebrew, which means moon. So they were, they were deep into this stuff, right? This is, this is not a church-going, kind of Bible-studying, worship song on Spotify, listening, God-loving family here. Abraham did not go, grow up going to Sunday school or singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. These are pagan people who are far from God. Now, now let me, if I could, just for a moment, just pause here and, and say, maybe for some of you in the room, maybe for some of you watching online right now, maybe that's where you are right now. You're like Abram was, like his family was. You're separated from God by your sin and your idolatry. And sure, you probably don't worship the moon God, but maybe you worship at the, the idol of self or self-fulfillment or self-gratification or pleasure or career advancement or whatever it is for you. Whatever the case, you're far from God. You're walking in darkness. You're living with a dwindling hope. And let me just say, if I'm talking to you right now in this moment, I want you to know two things. One, God sees you. And number two, just like Abraham 4,000 years ago, God is calling you to come home. He's a good God. He's a missionary God. He's on a rescue mission. He loves you. Now, things are really bad for Abram and, and, and really all of humanity by the time we get to Genesis chapter 12. To complicate matters even more, Abram's wife, Sarah, is barren. She, she can't bear a child, which is not such a huge deal in today's culture, but in those days, it would have been absolutely devastating because Abram's line is, is going to end with Abraham. Things seem very hopeless until God steps into this dark situation and he does the unthinkable. He invites a pagan man into his mission and listen, y'all, invites him into his family. And he goes, Abraham, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you, a pagan moon worshiper with a barren wife, and I'm gonna make of you a great nation a people for myself that will one day outnumber the stars in the sky. Through you, Abram, all the families of the earth will one day be blessed. And by the time we get to the New Testament, the very first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter one, we get the genealogy of Jesus. And do you wanna guess who's there almost at the top of the list? Abraham. His lineage, his line leads us to the Messiah. Meaning, meaning all of us, 
who trust in Jesus by faith are grafted into God's family through Abraham's line. We who sit here today in this room and worship King Jesus are the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham 4,000 years ago. We are a part of that promised great nation. That's pretty cool, y'all. That's pretty awesome. Now go back and look at verse one with me again. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, now watch this language. This is sending language. Go from your country. Leave your comfort zone. Leave what's familiar to you. Leave all that you know. Leave your country, and then he says your kindred, that means your family, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Now, notice he doesn't even tell him where he's sending him. He's like, Abraham, I want you to trust me to the extent that I'm not even gonna give you 10 steps down the pathway. I'm giving you one step down the pathway, and that first step is to say, yes, I will obey. And then once you say, yes, I will obey, then I'll give you step two. And then I'll give you step three. And then I'll give you step four after that. But you notice the first word that God says to Abraham is what? Go. Go. By the way, the same language that Jesus uses with his disciples in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus says to his disciples after the resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word is ethne. Ethnic groups, people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to, to obey all that I've commanded you. Same word, same call. Go, same invitation. You are sent, Old Testament and New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation. By the way, in Revelation chapter seven, we see the fulfillment of all of this as people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worship around the throne of the Lamb for all eternity. Listen, guys, mission has always been in the heart of God, and that's our first take-home truth this morning. On the screens for you, if you're a note-taker, write this down. Our God is a missionary God. Our God is a missionary God. The very nature and character of God is that of sending, going, and rescuing. That is who he is. That is what he's about. If you have a Bible, go ahead and flip over to the New Testament to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're gonna start in verse 21. At this point in the text, Jesus has just been resurrected. His disciples are in hiding because they're thinking, hey, this guy's our leader. They just nailed him to a cross, so we're probably next. And so they're scared. They're hiding in fear. The text tells us that the door to the house they're hiding in is locked. And all of a sudden, the resurrected Jesus just kind of appears in the middle of the room. He's like, what's up, boys? I'm back. Verse 21. Here we go. Jesus said to them again, so for the second time he's telling them, peace be with you. So we, we can kind of infer that they're a little bit freaked out. It's not every day that you see a dead man come back to life. They're a little unnerved by this. And so he says, peace be with you. Relax, boys. It's me. You're good. And he continues on, as the Father has sent me. Now watch this language of being sent, the missionary heart of God. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, do you, do you see what just happened there? The father sends the son on a rescue mission. Now, that's the great exchange that, that Welton preached about last week. Jesus in our place. His perfect life for our broken life. His sinless death for our sinful lives. His resurrection in place of our eternal separation. The Son comes, sent by the Father, and accomplishes his mission. And as soon as he does that, he sends the Holy Spirit to be our guide. 
And then Jesus explicitly says to his disciples, basically, tag your it. The Father sent me. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you. And now I'm sending you out to do the same thing. God, by his very nature, is a missionary God. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit who empowers us now to be sent out ourselves. I've heard it said that God had one son and he made him a missionary. And that should inform us about who God is, what he values, what his mission in the world is. That's his heartbeat. I love this quote from uh, Robert Hall Glover, a missionary from yesteryear. I'll read it to you on the screens for you. He says, the missionary enterprise is no human conception undertaking, no modern scheme or invention, no mere philanthropy, even of the finest kind. It did not originate in the brain or heart of any man, not even William Carey or the Apostle Paul. Its source was in the heart of God himself. Now, here's the second take-home truth this morning, and this is a sobering one. Number two on the screens for you. The world is desperate for a better story, y'all. The world is desperate for a better story. And here's why. I am convinced. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the primary reason that our world seems to be spinning further and further into the abyss of darkness with, with wars as we see in Ukraine right now, now with Israel, right, with a crisis of global poverty and human trafficking, the plight of the impoverished and voiceless, the primary reason for all of that, I'm convinced, is that people primarily are living out of the wrong story. And hasn't our culture taught us on repeat to live for ourselves? To live for the pursuit of our own happiness and our own pleasure and our own power and our own influence or the power and influence of a political party or some other ideology, whether it's the communist in Russia or Hamas in the Middle East or materialist in the United States of America. In any case, listen to me. If you are living out of the wrong story, every facet of your life is gonna feel off kilter because you were designed by your creator to live out of a better story to live out of a better mission. And the catastrophic result of nearly 8 billion people worldwide, most of whom are living out of the wrong story, is this. Our world has been shattered. You just flip on the news or look at a, a news app on your phone. Man, it's, it's crushing. It's depressing. It's, it'll, 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 it'll just bring you almost to tears to read what's happening in the world. Listen to a few of these stats. Uh, about 9 million people will die uh, this year from hunger and hunger-related illness. And about 10 million will die next year from hunger. One child dies every 10 seconds globally from hunger. Globally, 822 million suffer from undernourishment or malnourishment, almost a billion people. An estimated 50 million people live under some form or in some form of slavery today. And so if you thought slavery was something that ended about 100 years ago, you'd be mistaken. Poverty, abuse, war, ethnic cleansing, ravage our world and numb our souls. On a spiritual level, I think things are just as desperate. The Joshua Project, who keeps tabs of all these stats, estimates that over 3.1 billion people are currently unreached with the good news of Jesus Christ today. And by unreached, I mean they have little to no access to the glorious good news that Jesus came and died for them and offers them freedom and hope in this life. 
Now you, you hear that and you may be thinking, Chris, that's cool, bro, but I have unsafe people in my neighborhood. I ha- have unsafe people in my office space. I, I go to school with more unsaved people than I can count. Yes, that's true, but there's a key difference between the unsaved and the unreached. You see, with the unreached, it's not that they can hear the gospel or they have heard the gospel and rejected it. It's that they can't even hear it because they don't have anybody around them that even knows it. There's no church in their village. Nobody they know owns a Bible. They've never met a single Christian in their lives. They will live their entire lives and never meet a follower of Jesus. Your unsaved neighbors and classmates and coworkers are not unreached precisely because they know you, believer. They have access to Christians and Bibles. And they drive by two dozen churches every single day on their way to work while 3.1 billion people around the world are born, live their entire lives, and die without ever hearing one single time that there's a God in heaven that loves them so much that he sent his son to live, die, and rise to give them forgiveness, freedom, and hope in this life and the one to come. Church, hear me say this. The situation is urgent and the consequences are eternal. Which leads to our next truth this morning. Number three on the screens for you. We are, believer, we are carriers of that hope to the world around us. As the Father sent the Son, as the Son sent the Spirit, now the Almighty has sent us. I want you to look back to the words of Jesus in John 20 once more on the screens for you. It says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now Christian, do you know who that word you includes? you it includes you and me and every single one of us in this room are watching online if you're a follower of Jesus I need you to know you are sent you have a mission you have a part to play in God bringing his kingdom of light into this world of darkness we are agents we're God's agents of healing and restoration as we feed the hungry and free the captives and love the despised and yes take the good news of the gospel all the way to the ends of the earth to all the nations so that the 3.1 billion unreached might hear and respond to the best news in the world I have my part to play you have your part to play All of us have a part to play in this mission, dear brother or sister. We are carriers of that hope. And I want you to hear from one of ours here, so I'm gonna invite Laura Beth back up to share about really what being a carrier of hope has meant for her in her life. So as some of you know, I work with an organization called Youth with a Mission, and we have an anti-trafficking ministry wing, and it's called the Reshma Project. And really our heart is to expose the darkness of sex trafficking around the world, but also to empower those who are in bondage so that they can leave a life of captivity and move into a life of freedom. And we do that in primarily in India, but also in the Middle East, North Africa region and here locally as well. And just being able to be those, those carriers of hope to the nations in that specific way. And I very much grew up thinking, I don't know how I'm supposed to be a carrier of hope, like I can just do that in the day to day. But that's when the Lord showed me that he had a specific portion for me as a carrier of hope. And so I decided I was like gonna take what Chris was saying, that step of obedience, and then that next step. And that's what led into the Reshma Project being born. So I wanna show you a quick video um, of just what life outside of the brothels in Mumbai looks like. 
just everyday life, right? Just the rains are coming down, it's monsoon season. Those blue tents right outside are the marketplace, so people are walking along those roads every single day. But for them, they haven't heard of the hope of Jesus. And I have met girls in the brothel sitting there, and I've heard their stories. Some of them have come from places where they have been stuck in a literal room and chained to the walls, and then they are finally brought to a place of freedom. And they sometimes don't even know what time is. They just know that the sun rises and the sun sets, but that's how little they know of everyday life, let alone hearing the name of Jesus. And so coming in and sitting with these women and being able to see that glimmer in their eyes as they learn about who the Lord is for the very first time is one of the most incredible experiences. But we see more times than not women who actually come into relationship with the Lord and fall in love with him because they see that he is the only one who satisfies their soul. They see that he's the only one that can fully restore them to their full potential and bring that hope to their lives. And another area that we um, are carriers of hope are here in Asheville. And we go out, um, if you want to bring up that next slide, this is a picture of some of our team. We go out in the middle of the night and we minister to women who are in potentially exploitative situations. And we go out at like 2 a.m. bringing food and just having conversations. And we were out on Friday night, which was really, really cold. Um, and as we arrived, one of the guys, um, one of the staff came running out. He's like, I have a gift for you. And he set up a fire right next to where we were serving so that we wouldn't be so cold. Um, and then we just sat with the ladies and had convos. And towards the end of our time there that night, one of the girls said, you know, when you guys come, you really bring a sense of community. And we actually sit out here and have conversations with one another. And it really brought to, uh, to mind for me perspective of just kind of for them what their everyday lives are like. And when we get to sit with them and have conversations and just bring a sliver of hope, what that does. And next time, as we continue to go back and we're consistent within that, we get to bring more of that message of hope. And so this right now is what that next step of obedience looks like in, in stepping out in faith and being obedient to the Lord and being those carriers of hope. Just one of many examples of, uh, of us as followers of Jesus, as his apprentices being carriers of hope to the world around us. Now, I think Laura Beth would be the first to tell you that she's, she's not in some sort of like special Navy SEAL class of Christians, right, that, that's been sort of set apart for this work. She, she really is, 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 is one of us. She's an ordinary person despite the weird accent that she speaks with. She, she's, she's, a, she's a commoner like one of us, right? And so if God can use her life submitted to his lordship, submitted to his kingship, and just open herself up and say, God, you use me how you want. I'm going to give you my yes, Father. You put my yes on the map where you want it. He can do the same exact thing in your life. Now, maybe God's not going to call you to the red light districts of Mumbai. Maybe he will. I don't know. He may not call you to Indonesia for two or three years like he called me and my wife years ago. But I can promise you, you have been sent and you have a part to play in the praying and giving and going to the nation. So let me, let me quickly, as we begin to wind things down, give you three things Three characteristics about being a, a carrier of hope in the world, this idea of missions. Number one, this will be on the screens for you, is the motivation of mission is always love. It's always love. Listen, guys, we, we don't go to the nations with an idea of 
superiority, like, hey man, we've got it all figured out and our culture is superior to your culture and our belief system is superior to yours. So you peasants just need to kind of like get in line with us, enlightened Western Christians. That's not the ideology at all. That's not what drives us, man. As, as we've said before, we're just beggars who have found bread telling other beggars where we found the bread, right? We are motivated by love. And as people who have been loved much by God, by ascending God, we respond by going in love as well. Now listen, church family, God, God never blesses you without sending you. Did you notice that in Genesis chapter 12? Where God says to Abraham, I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing to others. He never blesses us without sending us. And so let me maybe just ask you a rhetorical question. Are you blessed this morning, church family? Are you blessed as a follower of Jesus living in modern day America in 2023? Are are you loved? If the answer to that is yes, then you have been sent out as a conduit of that love to those around you and ultimately to the nations. Here's the second thing about being a carrier of hope. Not only is the motivation of mission love, but the power, and this is important guys, the power for mission is the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you say, and I've used this excuse many a times over the course of my life, but you might be hearing this and you might be saying, hey, Chris, man, I'm just not, I'm not wired like Laura Beth. I'm I'm not wired to go to Mumbai to work in the red light district. I'm not wired like Dr. Terry to go down to Bolivia. I'm not wired like you, Chris. You're, you're a pastor. You're a preacher. I'm, bro, I'm an introvert. I'm not, I'm not good at talking to people. I get, I get nervous and my voice gets shaky. I'm scared to get on an airplane. I don't have a lot of money to invest in the cause of global missions. I, I work long hours. I'm really busy. I'm a single dad. I'm a single mom. And look, I know there's a thousand different reasons why you can't, but I want to give you one reason why you can, believer. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. The very Spirit of God, the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, you now have that same Spirit living in you and through you. So what you can't do in your own strength, he can do and he will do through you if and only if you are a willing vessel. Now God knows you can't. He knows your personality type. He knows you're an introvert or you get nervous when you talk to new people or whatever your excuse is. He knows you can't. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced God can do more through the least talented Christian in the world who's willing to obey and be used than the most talented Christian with the most eloquent speech who refuses to open their hearts and life to the mission of God in the world. So the motivation of mission is love. The power for mission is the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's not about your strength or your abilities. It's about surrendering yourself to him. And then number three, my favorite one, the result of mission is joy. The result of stepping into the right story, dear brother or sister, is actually your happiness 
satisfaction and unbridled joy. In John chapter 17, we're gonna put this on the screens for you. Jesus is praying what's known as the high priestly prayer, right? And so he's praying for his, his current disciples, the 12, as well as any disciples that he would have in the future, i.e. you and I right now in this room. So this is his prayer for you. And he's praying this right before he goes to the cross. Now watch this, in verse 13 he says, but now I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that they, that's us, his disciples, may have my full what? Say that word, joy. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And just a few verses later he says this, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. What I want you to see here is the unmistakable connection between mission and joy. Mission and joy. Listen, friend, it's only as you learn to walk in your purpose, your mission as a sent ambassador of hope, that you will find the joy that you seek in your life. Now hear me say this. You're not gonna find it in a better career. As good as that can be. You're not gonna find it in a fuller bank account or by finding the perfect romantic partner or anything else that you might be chasing right now in your life. It's, it's kind of like, um, if you know me, you know one of the things that I love in life are, are dogs. I just think they're like the God's gift to humanity. I, 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 like, I like animals in general, but I really love dogs. I'm partial to dogs. And one of the things that I like to do is, is research different dog breeds. I just find it uh, interesting and, and fascinating. And I came across recently this breed of dog uh, from South Africa that has been specifically bred for centuries as a, as a working dog, as a hunting dog. These things actually were bred to fight off lions and bears and all sorts of things and chase beasts through the woods and subdue much larger, vicious animals. And let me ask you a question. What would happen if you took that dog and tried to make it one of those cute little frou-frou dogs that you put sweaters on for some inexplicable reason and push around in baby carriers in downtown Asheville or stick it maybe in a small apartment with no exercise outlet or no stimulation? What would happen? That thing would destroy everything in your life. Your apartment would be torn to shreds. Why? Because it's living out of the wrong story. It wasn't created to live that life. And I'm convinced so many people are wrecking their lives because they're living out of the wrong story, the wrong mission, and finding no joy in it. I love uh, the way the great uh, English preacher Charles Spurgeon put it in a sermon he preached to his church in London in 1873 this is just a little short excerpt from his sermon this will be on the screens for you Spurgeon preached this to his people if Jesus is precious to you you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself you will be whispering it into your child's ear you will be telling it to your husband you will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will become more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. And here's where it gets real. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and then a totally silent tongue about him. Friend, if I could just encourage you with one thing, it'd be this. Trade your story for God's story. 
trade your story for God's story. Listen, your story kind of stinks anyway. His is, his is way better than yours. Way better than mine ever could have been. So maybe if you're wondering why your life just seems so humdrum and dreary and pedestrian and tasteless, maybe, just maybe, it's because you're living out of the wrong story. So let me just encourage you as we close, here's the encouragement. Take a step today. I don't know what that step is for you, but my encouragement would be if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, commit to taking a step today. Take a step into the mission of God. If you don't know where to start, man, we've tried to make it really easy for you. We're gonna put a website on the screen. You can snapshot this, newlifesin.com. If you go there, then we have tons of resources that will equip you how to pray for the nations. You can give to the sin mission offering there. You can look at upcoming mission trips. You can sign up for mission classes that are gonna be launching early in 2024. There's a, a ton of resources for you there. So if you don't know where to start, just plug in newlifesin.com and there's a whole host of things that you can begin to engage in, a step that you can take into the mission of God. Now listen, let me say this before we close. If you're watching online right now, maybe if you're in the room and you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, first of all, I wanna know, I want you to know that you're welcome here. I'm glad that you're here, but I want you to also know that your first step in all of this is to begin your journey as an apprentice of Jesus to surrender your story and step into his story. Because the gospel is this, Jesus lived the life that you should have lived but couldn't because you're broken just like I am and you're a sinner and he died a substitutionary death on your behalf to pay for your sin and he rose again three days later to offer you life, mission, and a better story. And so church family, let's step into that better story together for our good, for the good of the nations and for the fame of our king. May it be so. Let's pray and then we're gonna sing. Father, we come to you and we are grateful. We're grateful that you're a missionary God. We're grateful that being a rescuer is, is a part of your DNA that you put in us as your sons and your daughters. God, I, I know, we know that you don't need us to accomplish your purposes in this world. You invite us to join in your mission, to step into your story, A, because you know that's where joy is found for us, but B, because you love us and we're your kids and you wanna be with your sons and your daughters, God. And so would you help us, Father, to, to repent maybe if we've been living for the wrong story or living out of the wrong story, if we've been living for self or wealth or pleasure or any other thing, God, would you help us to turn from that, to see the futility in chasing those things in life, to lay down our story and say yes to your story, just like Laura Beth, to say, God, I don't know what the next step is, but I'm just gonna go ahead and give you my yes. I'm gonna go ahead and give you my obedience and I'm just gonna let you put that on the map and decide what that looks like. I'm just, I'm just gonna say like Abram, yes. I wanna be a part of your story, God. I wanna be a part of something bigger than myself. I wanna be something, a part of something bigger than just the, the humdrum and the grind of a nine to five until I'm 80 years old and then I die. I wanna be a part of something bigger and better than that, a better story. God, would you help us each take one step, one small step, whatever that is, 
into your mission today for your glory. And we ask and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand and let's worship.